Hi, and welcome to Story Nub. Listen to short stories and explore the science and philosophy behind them in their nubs. I'm Sven, and today's nub is called Egoistic Altruism. Great to have you here today. There might be a very good reason to help others. Not a spiritual or moral one. Not because your mom told you you should. Altruism might save your life. Part 1. Egoism versus Altruism Altruism is to act with the intent to make others happy, as opposed to egoism, which is when you act primarily out of self-interest. But already we run into problems. There are philosophers who seriously doubt whether we actually do things to make others happy, ever. They rather think that it's just a nice story we tell ourselves. The theory of psychological egoism states that everything humans do is egocentric at heart. A common way to back this theory is to take a sharp look at what really motivates you to buy your mother a nice houseplant for her birthday. People who believe in psychological egoism would argue that even if you bought your mom an entire glass house filled with plants and flowers, it would not make you a good and caring child. It's just another way to increase your own happiness. You are not buying and wrapping that plant to see your mom smile, but because her smile makes you feel good in turn. You get to go home, lie on your couch and reminisce about what a great person you are. Egoism all the way. Luckily, there are arguments against psychological egoism of the very best variety, scientific ones. Daniel Batson, as well as other scientists, have compiled comprehensive evidence that there is something built into humans that reliably tricks them into being altruistic. Empathy. Batson conducted scientific social experiments over a laborious 35 years of his life, and after hundreds of tests concluded a single thing. Humans do, on occasion, behave truly altruistically, because empathy moves them to. In one experiment, Botson had participants watch actors pretend to be in pain because of moderate electric shocks. The participants were then offered to trade places with the actor for a second round, so the shocks would be administered to themselves instead of the actor. Participants who felt no empathy for the actor only traded places if there was no easy option to walk away, suggesting an egoistic motivation to simply not have to watch someone in pain. If they could leave instead of watching the second round, they overwhelmingly favoured the easy way out. If participants did empathise with the actor, however, almost all traded places willingly. If they were offered to walk away, it actually increased their willingness to help the actor. This suggests truly altruistic concern for the actor, probably caused, at least in part, by their empathy. In another experiment, Botson showed, maybe unsurprisingly, that most participants felt more empathy for an injured child or even dog than for an injured adult that resembled them physically. This serves as evidence that empathy can arise for any other person or animal, not just for those we can readily identify with. But maybe you are not swayed by boring scientific evidence. 
Maybe you would argue that empathy really does not change much about the notion of psychological egoism. Some mechanism in our brains make us feel the pain of others. And we do not like pain. So the easiest way to get rid of that pain is to help others. Even empathy-driven altruism, you might say, is still egoism at heart. All right, Botson and his evidence will not convince you. What you want are flashy, philosophical arguments that cannot logically be disputed. Worry not, here we go. If psychological egoism argues that all acts of altruism are ultimately fueled by egoism, then you can just as well turn that argument back on itself. Maybe they have it all backwards. Maybe there is no egoism. Maybe all acts of egoism have altruism at their core. If we spend all our money at a spa holiday and indulge ourselves in milk baths and massages for a week, who is to say we are being selfish? All we are doing is making ourselves relaxed and happy, so, in turn, we can bring good vibes to others. If we make ourselves happy, everyone around us will profit by proxy. Voila! There is no egoism, only altruism. Now that we have both scientific and argumentative proof that humans are at least capable of true altruism, it is time to check back in with reality. It probably makes little sense to search for a generalization that applies to all human beings who have ever lived. It almost never does, really. Probably there are a handful of sadists and holy people on both ends of the spectrum, but most likely we all hover somewhere in the middle between altruism and egoism. So, the important thing is to keep under close scrutiny which of the two is at play at all times. Part 2. Radical Metaphysics Alright, both altruism and egoism exist. But what about a more radical question? Do I exist? Do others? Our minds go through such vast changes from childhood through adolescence to old age that it might not even make sense to regard them as the same person all the way. While in school or university, you might have really been into basketball, only leaving clubs when the bouncer kicks you out at the break of dawn, and not at all too keen about responsibility. As an adult, you might really be into early morning naps, homemade sushi, and caring for your family and your colleagues at work. Those sound like two entirely different people. Maybe they are. If we morph so radically in such a short period of time, is it really adequate to say we do something out of selfishness? The person who will get to enjoy the fruit of a good education or a well-stocked pension is hardly the one that works for it. With a bit of imagination, we can almost see this as altruism towards our future selves. An even more radical idea would be to say, there is no I, because the self is only an illusion. Or that we are all one. Both would radically alter the ideas of what constitutes egoism or altruism. But while interesting, these ideas are a far cry from the everyday experience of most people. So, let us stay with the idea that there is an I and others, and that I can choose to be altruistic or egoistic towards them. Part 3. Should we be altruistic? 
A philosophical idea that makes instinctive sense to most people is that of consequentialism, even if the term maybe does not. The idea behind consequentialism is simple. Maximize good, minimize bad. It is something that almost everyone does, with sometimes more, sometimes less success. But if that is our general goal, it is not immediately obvious why we should ever behave altruistically. If we want to create the most human happiness with the least amount of time and effort, obviously we should make ourselves happy. After all, only I really know myself. Only I can decide what is good for myself. Others would have to invest much more of their time and effort into figuring out what makes me happy, which seems like a grand waste of resources. So I should be selfish and focus on making myself happy instead. If everyone does so, we can collectively maximize good and the happiness in the most efficient way. Well, probably not. Here are two reasons against that convenient backdoor into selfishness. One, we learn through helping others, also how to care for ourselves. If we help a devastated friend whose partner has just left them, we gain a different view on our own life as well. We might see that our relationship shares similarities with that of our friend, and that we might be headed towards much the same heartbreak. Through being there for our friend, we might learn how to improve our own relationship and to avoid the mistakes they have made. Second, it may not always hold true that only we know what is best for ourselves. It is entirely possible that other people know better how to make us happy than we do ourselves. A wise elderly person may have years and decades of experience finding a job they actually like. Their advice may well shave years off our own search. And if we can do the same for others, using our experience, we will save them years. Stepping away from philosophy, we can find an even easier biological reason for being selfless. Most of our brains seem to have altruism biologically hardwired into them. We have a deep, mirror-like reaction to the joy and suffering of others. If we see them being happy, we feel happy too. If others suffer, we suffer and feel the urge to help them. So, maybe we should just listen to that inner voice, follow our drive for empathy and help others when they need us. But not so fast. We are also hardwired to do many other things. We feel the urge to eat an entire apple pie for breakfast, or to go back to sleep right after the alarm woke us to get up for our job. Neither of these impulses is remotely helpful. Maybe trusting our hardwired instinct to be altruistic is a trap as well. That is where the idea of egoistic altruism comes into play. It offers hard facts for why we should act selfless at least from time to time. Part 4. Egoistic Altruism You probably have problems. You may even have problems you cannot possibly solve yourself. Maybe you have cancer, or climate change causes your house to be flooded twice a year. No matter how hard you try, if you face that kind of problem, you really are at the mercy of others specifically at the mercy of those who do have the power to solve your problems for you, the engineers and politicians who can make our world carbon neutral, and the scientists and doctors who can cure your cancer. 
But this is no plea for others to be selfless towards you. It is a reason for you to be selfless towards them before you run into trouble that needs their fixing. See, reflexively, you might have thought of the doctors or engineers you know around you and how their work can save your life. But what if those people are not up to the job either? There might be a brilliant kid out there who will someday develop a treatment for the specific kind of cancer you will develop in 20 years. But what if this future scientist happened to live in the worst neighborhood of a low-income country? Instead of saving you from your future cancer, all their potential as a scientist is wasted because all you get out of them are the cheap t-shirts they are forced to make. Or... Even worse, they do not even get to do that because they die of malaria or hunger as a child. Well done, you. This kid could have saved your life, and now they are dead. It is, of course, impossible to know who on earth might one day be your savior. So, your only chance is to try to make the world a better place for everyone in the hope that the people you help will do the same and maybe cure your cancer in the process. If you really want to practice egoistic altruism, effective altruism is maybe a good place to start. If you want to make the world a better place for everyone, no matter whether out of selfish or selfless reasons, there are staggeringly effective ways to do so especially if you happen to live and work in a comparably rich nation. Campaigns to make vaccinations, condoms and education more wildly available in low-income countries can change thousands of life at a very affordable price to you. With a few hours worth of your salary, you might be able to pay for the vaccination of dozens of children against polio, measles and tetanus. And it may just be that the one child who grows into an adult because of you goes on to find a treatment for your future cancer. Or maybe they develop an app that lets you watch more cat videos in less time for free, which is almost as good. Happy them, happy you. This was Egoistic Altruism. This knob accompanies the story a Cure for Cancer. There we explore the life of a spearfisher in South America and how the grip of poverty on him not only affects his life, but also yours. Thank you for listening to this nub and see you next time on Story Nub. Story Nub